I wonder if you've ever asked the question, how would you fix the world? What would you do? Uh, maybe you've had this uh, discussion with your kids, uh, or maybe, um, maybe with, with other friends, uh, or with uh, potentially even um, those that uh, you oppose. How would you fix the world? How would you make things right? What does the world need? Think about it. What does the world need? Would you, uh, perhaps you'd, you'd liberate the church from the constraints of culture and the, uh, the nonsense uh, political correctness movement? You watch your video online and you get outraged and you go, that'll fix the world. If we get rid of that jargon, everything will be fine again. Maybe, uh, maybe you'd clean up the governments, right? The corrupt leaders. Maybe you'd rid the world of the, the plague of, of ISIS, right? See, these wicked people, these wicked people committing terrible things against God's people. Or, or you'd, maybe you'd clean out the, uh, the corrupt organizations uh, that, that um, pervert our society with their, their wicked teaching. You know, the things that they teach our kids. Maybe that would fix the world, Right? How would you fix the world? For some of us, when we think about the gospel, the gospel primarily means social change. Or maybe it primarily means political change. Or even just a little more subtle, maybe the gospel just means behavioral change. And when we ask that question, we have a particular uh, thing, a particular solution that comes to mind. If I was going to fix things, this is where I'd start. This would be the primary thing that I would tackle. Uh, ironically, um, without spending too much time on that, most of the time, we all point outwards at everyone else. Don't we? How would you fix the world? Well, you'd start out there. Way, way out there. Like on the other side of the world. No, there's not that much here. Not that much here that needs fixing. You know what the problem is? The problem is that we don't really know what we need as people. How true is that for your kids, right? Have you ever, um, have you ever, had to, have you ever been trapped in a situation where you're between someone and what they need? Uh, if you haven't, um, just have, have some kids and you will get into that daily. Like daily. Like, Dad, I need a bowl of cereal more than I need my life at the moment. I'm, I'm willing to do anything for that. Um, it's like, dude, you did that yesterday and the day before and the day before. It's like, what, what, like, what an insanity. What an insanity. The insanity of desire, the deception of the desire. Uh, I visit a friend um, in Sydney every now and then and every time I go down there, I learn new words because the culture in Sydney is so fast-paced that they're not happy with the English language as it is they decide to invent things. And last, or one of the, like the more recent trips, I learned the word feming. You know what the word feming is? I'm just feming for a banana. It, feming is a description of the feeling that an addict gets when they don't have a supply of drugs. It's like I don't have any drugs, there's nothing readily available, I'm dry, and my body is going crazy. Feming. And that, now they use it in a light-hearted sense, right? It's like I'm feming for a surf. It's like, really? Like, is, that the, is that the best way to use the English language, Sydney? No, it's not. And grow up. We, uh, we don't really know what we need. 
even as adults. Now, we can all laugh at kids, right? Because they're crazy. But it doesn't get that much better. You grow up, and, uh, and adults aren't that different, are they? As adults, do you really know what you need? The clouds of trouble come rolling over the hill, and all of a sudden, you don't know anymore. You just can't be sure anymore what you really need. All we can see is this solution. This is what needs to change. This particular thing, this person, this outcome, and that'll fix everything. It's the only way forward. Think about relational conflict. This is what has to happen here, Matt. This is what has to happen for us to move forward. I need you to do this. I've got a set of demands and I need them met. This is the hostage situation. <laughs> if anything's going to move here, these needs need, need to be met. What's going to fix everything right now is me getting what I want. Or, even more subtly, me getting what I need. Because it's okay then. If I need it, it's okay. It's justifiable. It's something that I need. You know, in some ways, uh, Christ isn't what we expected. In some ways, our faith isn't really what we expected. I look at the world around me. I look at myself and I look at Christ and sometimes I'm just not that sure what he's done. What is it? What has he accomplished? Is, is my faith, is it just a ticket to heaven? Is it just an end destination? What about right now? What about today? What about the world around me? Because the world seems pretty messed up. Like it's broken. It's really, really broken. And there's moments where you get so close to that. You get so close. You fly right beside the sun and it burns you. And you're just not sure. You're uncertain. I, uh, I showed a, um, a group of uh, students uh, last week um, some pictures of, of um, people and I asked them uh, to tell me the first thing that came to mind. Um, and I'll show you a series of photos and I won't ask you to call out um, like we did, but I, I want to do a similar exercise um, uh, to, uh, to resolve this. Um, I showed them this photo and I said, what, what's the first thing that comes to mind? And they, they called out things like, well, she looks determined. Um, someone said she looks depressed, um, confident. And someone said quite well that she knows what she wants. Um, and then I told them. So most of them didn't know who this was. This is Alyssa Razar. She's the youngest Australian to climb Mount Everest. And you go, oh, well, that's not what I expected. Okay, let me give you another one. Now, now this students, right, they... We, we don't really know history that much these days. <laughs> so it's like every, everyone's like, oh, I know what that is. Uh, I know who that is. Um, but, but students, they, they said this is a proud mum. Like, th- someone said, I think this is a proud mum watching their kid do something, um, you know, something spectacular. Someone said happy. And then someone actually went to, as far to say she looks really content. She seems content with herself. Um, and then I informed them this is an, Olympi- an Olympic a champion, an Australian, a, a runner who won the gold medal uh, in, the, in the 200 and 400 sprints, or actually I think it might have just been the 400, um, in, Sid- uh, in, in Sydney, in, in Australia. 
in the year 2000. I showed them this guy. They said, um, he looks arrogant. He looks a little bit too, too cool for school. Um, someone said he looks like a geek. Um, and they were a little spot on. This is Skrillex. He's a, he's a uh, the simplest way to say would be he's a DJ. He's a music producer. Um, he, he's produced songs for Bieber, uh, the man himself. Showed them this guy. Um, they said, they, they said, and this is incredible, right? They said that he looked like he's lived a good life. It's like, doesn't, he, doesn't, doesn't, it just, doesn't this picture just ooze that? This guy just, he looks like, another, another um, student said, uh, he's got good friends. It's like, how insightful is that? Really? Like, he's got good friends. It's incredible. And they said, of course, he looks happy. And this is the, the writer of The Lord of the Rings. Uh, this is Tolkien, um, uh, the, the Hobbit and, and The Lord of the Rings, the author. I showed them this guy, and they said, this guy looks like a murderer. <laughs> so they said... <laughs> I said, he looks like um, he's off of one of those Western uh, wanted photos, right? They said, this guy looks like he's afraid, looks like he's on the run, uh, looks like he's done something really bad. And I said, you know what? This is the most accurate, accurate picture we have of Jesus. We don't have any pictures of Jesus, but um, a couple of years ago, forensic scientists took the remains of an average Jewish man. And they reconstructed an image of Jesus. And we're all used to seeing this, right? This is, this is Jesus in our minds. When we think of Jesus, when we pray, when we form an image, we think of white European male. When really, the expectations are completely different. Jesus wasn't and isn't what we expect. Not at all. We're going to turn to uh, Luke 24, uh, verse 13. And when you've turned there, if you could stand up, I'm going to invite Henrietta to come and read uh, the Word of God to us this morning. Thank you, Henry. Let's uh, let's sit uh, in the resurrection for a moment. Uh, I've been... uh, been reading through the end, ends of the Gospels uh, since uh, Easter, just to drink uh, deeply, to, to sit in uh, these moments after the resurrection, these, these incredible, significant moments, right? The most significant moments in history by a long, long, long shot, right? Rejoice in them. Take them to heart. Don't move past Easter as if it were any other long weekend, now drink, drink of these. Now let, me, uh, let me walk through this text and we want to learn uh, a, a little bit from Jesus. So just to set the scene here, right? So um, just earlier than this, um, some women had visited the tomb uh, and the tomb was empty and they were startled and some angels said, why do you look for the living among the, the, living among the dead? Uh, they return back to the disciples, they report this. The disciples, uh, it's sort of like, what's going on? They check it out. Um, They verify that. And then this scene. Um, So two disciples, uh, these guys, you know, know, they're most likely heading home, right? They're packing it up. Uh, It's all over. Jesus is dead. What hope do we have now? Um, The disciples are running and hiding. This is, um, they've been spending years with this uh, this great uh, leader, this rabbi, this Jew, and he gets killed. And they're like, oh, well, that's, well, it's all over then, right? Right? Now, from us, from our point of view, we're like, oh, you 
clowns. Come on, just wait, he's coming. Right? But don't, don't read it like that. Read it as if you were seeing what they were seeing. Jesus is dead. They're going home. They're packing up. It's all over. What if, what if they come for us too? What if they go for his followers? What happens to us then? What are we to do? So verse 15, while they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. You know someone through their eyes, don't you? That is how you know someone. When you talk with someone, you look at their eyes. That's how you talk with someone. That is how you connect with someone. The the saying, the eyes are the window to the soul. That is how you see someone. That is how you know someone. Think about when a child won't look you in the eyes. You think something in the back of your head immediately, don't you? Something's wrong. They have done something wrong and they can't face me. What does it mean to face someone? To look at them in the eyes. A friend maybe with heavy eyes. You greet them and you only need to look them in the eyes to know that something's wrong. To see someone with your eyes... The word eyes there is connected to the, the idea of understanding. To see someone with your eyes is to understand who they are. If you're giving a report to the cops um, and someone slipped away from in front of you, you would say, I didn't really get a good look. I couldn't see. As in, what you're really saying is, I couldn't understand. I couldn't understand. I couldn't perceive who it was. So their understanding was limited, right? This is true for us. We see Jesus, but our understanding at times is limited. We don't really recognize him. Verse 17, And he said to them, What is this conversation that you're holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, named Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, What things? Now, the size of Jerusalem at the time would have swelled significantly, up to, up to three times the normal population because of the Passover. So people visit Jerusalem for the feasts and, and then they uh, return uh, to their homes afterwards. Um, they, they, they come for a short amount of time, so they visit, they're visitors. Are you the only visitor um, to Jerusalem who doesn't know what's happened? Um, and then they return home. Um, now, just note what Jesus is doing here, right? Like, just... just, just Look at the, the irony. Look at the sarcasm that Jesus is, um, is using here in these settings. You have to ask that question. What is Jesus doing? Verse 19, what things? Can you see the smirk on his face? It's like, man, wait till they get a lot. Like, wait till they see this. What things? I have no idea. Please, kindly inform me. Verse 19, and, he, and they said to him, just straight into it, right? They just fell head over heels into that one. Well, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Um. This is, uh, this is the, the pivot of the entire scene here. The reason this all matters so much, um, the reason that, um, that we are the way that we are, that we're so sad, that we're so upset, 
is we had an expectation in mind about what Jesus was going to do. We had an expectation that was wrong. And you know what the expectation was? It had everything to do with their picture of redemption. Listen to verse 21, right? We had hoped he was the one to redeem Israel. When they say that, we read it, right? And we go, of course, he's redeeming Israel. That's great. Let's move on. Don't like, read it as if you were these two men. We were hoping that Jesus was the one who was going to redeem Israel just like God redeemed the Israelites from Egypt. That's the same picture. When they talk about redemption, that is what they are talking about here. Exodus 6, 6. Say therefore to the people of Israel, I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians and I will deliver you from slavery to them. And I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. That sounds pretty mighty, right? That sounds pretty powerful. I'm going to stretch out my arm, my mighty arm. I'm going to show my power to the Egyptians and I'm going to redeem you. I'm going to bring you out. I will take you to be my people and I will be your God. And that's the expectation they had in mind there, isn't it? God redeemed his people from Egypt. He led them out. He freed them from their slavery there. He crushed the Egyptians, didn't he? He swallowed them in the sea. The, the Israelites sang songs about that. They celebrated that. They remembered God's redemption. So what's in their minds? What do they have in their minds here? A Messiah is coming. The prophets are talking about this Messiah through all of the Old Testament that's coming to do the same thing that God did when he redeemed us from Egypt. A Messiah is coming to free us from the rule of Rome. And that's their expectation. An interesting thought here, um, intertestamental writings talk about Emmaus. They talk about Emmaus being this, uh, this central point of significant battles that happened as the Jews tried to liberate themselves, as they tried to redeem themselves. Judas Maccabee, 150 years earlier in Emmaus, led an uprising. We'll throw off the rulers that are opposing us. That's the picture of redemption we have in mind. If we can only overthrow these people, we'll be free to flourish as God's nation once again. Where do we say that? Do we say that at all as God's people? Do we point the finger like that? Surely we don't. Surely not. Surely we don't take matters into our own hands. Redemption looked like God crushing their enemies around them. Syria and Greece and currently in this setting, Rome. Jesus comes onto the scene, this controversial Jew stirring things up and people are going, guys, I think this could be the Messiah. This could be the ruler that's come to rally our people and overthrow Rome. Guys, we're getting a little bit excited. I think this is him. I think this is Jesus. Sharpen your swords. We're going to be redeemed, right? Rally the troops and he gets killed. 
say, ah, well, cheers. Thanks for the help. Back to your tools, go back to your jobs, forget it. He hasn't done anything. Nothing's been accomplished. And Jesus had a completely different understanding of redemption, didn't he? He had a radically different picture of redemption. What does the world really need? What did they really need? That's the first question, right? What does the world really need? Jesus isn't what we expect. His redemption isn't what we expect. His power doesn't come. It doesn't work like we expect it to work. He overcame evil in the world, but not by killing anyone, not by wiping anyone out, not by overthrowing any governments or any rulers, but by allowing it to kill him. On the cross, in his body, Jesus dealt with the evil of the world. Our evil, the real enemy of God. Listen to this. Listen to, listen to the transformation this is. This is the whole thing Jesus is talking about. And the whole time his disciples don't understand. Luke 6, But I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. To the one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from the one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Are you crazy? Love your enemies and do good to them? Are you crazy? Jesus, do you understand what we're trying? Do you, do you understand what redemption is? We're overthrowing our enemies. We're killing them. They're what's wrong with the world. Luke 6, just a couple of verses later, 35. But love your enemies and do good. And lend expecting nothing in return and your reward will be great and you will be sons of the Most High. Listen to this. For he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Who's he talking about there? He's talking about you. He is not what you expect. Romans 5. Just let this break your hearts. For if while we... We're enemies. We were reconciled to God by the death of His Son. Much more, now that we are reconciled, reconciled, shall we be saved by His life. Just think about this for a second. The problem isn't out there. It is not out there. The problem is you. Christ is the one who ran across the battlefield to our side the undeserving, the ungrateful, the enemies of God, wicked sinners, and God bent back His bow of judgment, of righteous judgment and wrath, and He shot it at humanity, and Christ stood in front of us, and He took the judgment of God that we deserved. We were His enemies. We were the enemy that needed to be overcame. The evil in our hearts, the wickedness in our hearts, well, is what's wrong with the world. And we don't get it. Love your enemies? Are you crazy? They're what's wrong with the world. We are what's wrong with the world. Our hearts betray us. 
So while we're busy caught up with this picture of what redemption looks like, if God would just change this, or if He'd just get rid of this, or fix this, Christ is working far deeper than we ever thought. Christ takes our due punishment and His blood runs over His people. His shed blood on the cross covers His people. You see, what the world really needs aren't more um, arrogant, judgmental, stubborn hotheads. And that's none of us, of course. But humble, meek, lowly, servant-hearted followers of Jesus. Transformed by His sacrifice. Let's be the unexpected people. Let that be us. The unexpected people where all of culture has an expectation of Christians at the moment. Let's be the unexpected people. People that don't need to take matters into our own hands. People that are willing to be forgotten. People that give of themselves sacrificially. People that are happy not to be recognized. People that give themselves for the flourishing of humanity. For the life of others. What does the world really need? Now, now what do we really need? We live with the wrong hopes, don't we? We live as if ISIS is the worst evil in the world today. Just wipe them out and everything will be okay. That'll fix it for good. We live as if the main problem are the others. The corrupt leaders, the, the ones who use other people for gain, the selfish ones, the pimps, the abusers, the drug peddlers, the worst of society. We just need to clean them out. For all of our activism, we miss what we really need. What we really need more than anything is redemption. We desperately need redemption. Redemption from the evil inside of us that corrupts our hearts and our minds and our desires, that perverts us, that turns us away from God. That's what we need rescuing from, the parts within us that turn us away from God. And that's what Jesus did. That's what Christ did on the cross in a better way than you could ever imagine. Come hell or high water, I've been redeemed. Me, I have been redeemed. I've been brought back from death. I was condemned to die and now I've been brought back. I've been freed from condemnation. I've been freed from the desires of sin. I've been freed from the flesh. I've been freed from the power of the evil one. I live in the resurrection life of Christ. Verse 22. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they'd even seen a vision of angels. He said that he was alive. 
Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. But him they did not see. So pretty simple here, right? They're saying, uh, we heard reports. We've heard reports of people. We've seen eyewitnesses. um, But we still don't believe. Because we haven't seen. Haven't seen. We haven't understood. We haven't perceived. um, So we're yet to believe. Verse 25, And he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Let's not cling to our expectations so tightly that Jesus has to call us fools. Hard-hearted fools, you've got the wrong picture. You've misunderstood everything. Let's not be the people that Jesus says that to, right? Like, I'm, I'm not that keen for that. I really don't want Jesus to look at me and say, you're a fool, Matt. You didn't understand me. All of the Bible points to Jesus. Creation points to Jesus. Sin points to Jesus. The flood points to Jesus. The patriarchs point to Jesus. The judges, the kings, the exodus, the prophets, they all point to, to a coming Savior who's going to rescue humanity. Let's be renewed in what Christ is doing. Verse 28, So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he were going further, but they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at table with them, he took the bread and blessed, and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. How do we then become the people that we need to be? How do we become the people that we need to be? How are we renewed in our understanding, in our sight? How do our eyes become open? How do we perceive what we need to perceive? Jesus goes in with them and Jesus breaks bread to eat. He blesses it and their eyes are opened. We become the people that we need to be by looking back to Jesus, by looking back to the sacrifice of Christ on the cross. Don't move past Easter like any other holiday. I said that when we started. Let me say it again. Don't move past the death and the resurrection of Jesus. Look back, look back, look back to the cross. That is how we become the people that we need to be. We look back at the broken body of our Savior, exalted high among His people. And it opens our eyes to see, to understand what is true. We look back and we are renewed. We see a humble sacrificial servant and we are renewed in our own humble sacrifice this is the picture of redemption this is the picture of victory so take heart in your sacrifice take heart in your forgottenness take heart in your pain and your suffering this is the picture of redemption Um, You can come up now, uh, band. Um, We look back to Christ, um, but as well, we look forward 
to Christ. That's how we now live as Christians in this part of history. We look back to the sacrifice of Jesus and we look forward to Jesus. One of the most fascinating pictures um, in the book of Revelation uh, is the description, the visual description of Jesus. Fascinating. I'm going to read Revelation 5. I'm going to read you a section from there. Um, You're welcome to turn there or just to to write that down and to remain there. And then I'm just going to close with a few comments and we're going to sing. But let me read to you Revelation 5. Then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne a a scroll written within and on the back sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll to look into it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. And one of the elders said to me, Weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, is conquered, so that he can open the scrolls and its seven seals. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders... I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns and with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. Why? For you were slain. And by your blood, you ransomed people for God. The blood of Jesus, the crucified Savior, ran over his people and redeemed them. He didn't conquer like they thought he was going to conquer. He doesn't conquer like we thought he was going to conquer. But he allows himself to die. We never stop singing about the lamb that was slain. We never stop singing about Christ's death. We never move past the cross. We need the cross to be the context of our conversations, the fuel for our sacrificial service, the center of our vision, the reminder of the price of our redemption. Because we're short-sighted, aren't we? We fail to recognize the reality of, of our faith, the reality of Christ's work. We're going to, um, we're going to take communion this morning. And that's, that's the remembering, isn't it? That is hope for short-sighted people. Just like Jesus sat at the table with these two disciples and he broke the bread and he blessed it. We break bread together. And just like this bread was broken, Christ's body was broken. And that's our prayer in communion. God, don't let me move past the cross. Don't let me move past a crucified Savior, broken for humanity, whose blood ran over his people to redeem them, whose blood was shed for his people to save them.
unlike the people of Israel, we take it. We take this celebration knowing that our enemy isn't Egypt. That our enemy isn't out there. That our enemy is our unfaithful hearts. Our wandering hearts that lead us astray. And we take communion and we cling to the cross. We cling to the sacrifice of Jesus to redeem us, to cover us, to cleanse us. So we're going to invite... Um, up and uh, maybe if one of the other a, a leader of a community wants to come up thanks Nick and we're going to serve communion you can come forward and, and receive communion and then we're going to close with a song together singing to the lamb that was slain so uh, if, you'd, if you'd like to um, we'll all stand now but if you'd like to take communion if you'd like to cling uh, to the cross uh, come forward come and receive of Christ if, if you're not saved today uh, don't Don't take communion. It's not uh, for everyone. But if you are saved and you want to cling to the cross, I invite you to come and and receive of Christ's life. Uh, And then we'll sing in a moment and uh, and I'll close with a prayer. Let me me read uh, the next song that uh, the saints sing to the lamb that was slain and we'll, um, we'll sing together to close. Revelation 5, 13, and, and uh, I'll read this, and then we'll take communion and we'll sing. But as you take communion, think about the cross. Think about um, the, the Savior's blood that was shed, that runs over us, that covers His people, that cleanses us, and think about His body that was broken. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying to Him, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. Let's take communion. Jesus, we uh, we do rejoice uh, that you are both the Lamb that was slain, that we remember that for eternity to come, you were the Lamb that was slain for our sin for the evil inside of us, to conquer it, to cleanse it, to, to purify us, to make us your children. And we also rejoice that you are the Lion of Judah. That You do. You, you roar with power, with great might. You are worthy, Lord, to open the scroll, to break its seals, to lead your people, our great King. God, don't let us move past Easter. Do not let us uh, uh, lose sight. Don't let us be blind to what you do, to what you are doing in our hearts. Thank you for your word. Amen. Be blessed.